Blog Talk Radio. Podcasting here, understanding the times in which you live today. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me how pathetic this society has become with the criminal elements that are really operating over our head today. And the most important key essential parts of our society is obviously our banking institutions. And the banks out there, obviously, we I've gone against the Federal Reserve and talked about the Federal Reserve so many times. And uh, apparently it's come to my attention that obviously it's in a circle of people that I know without mentioning any names. Uh, this individual has deposited a check in a branch in Connecticut, uh, the TD Bank in Connecticut. And uh, about six, seven weeks ago, I guess, this has been, it's been carrying on that long. It doesn't matter anyway. It should only take three to ten days for a check to clear. And I've looked up the U.S. banking laws and whatnot, and we're going to call – this branch and find out they've been getting, been getting the runaround and uh, complete total runaround. I mean, I could give you every excuse in the book, but just pretend you're calling your local cable company or one of these conglomerate corporations, and what they do is they pass the buck over to the next person, the next person, the next person, and down the line, and before you know it, they're hoping you go away. 
And most people do go away. They figure, what can I do? After all, what can one person do, right? That's what they say, or that's what people believe. So we're going to, without mentioning, like I said, mentioning names, but I'm going to call this branch, and I'm going to find out. And I've got the number to the corporate office in New Jersey. That is where the corporate office is in New Jersey. Um, and they are FDIC, TD Bank. And uh, I'm going to go into their, uh, find out what's going on. I'm going to call them live, but I'm going to do it in a little particular way of more or less a middleman party, but not go right out at them and say, hey, I'm investigating this, or I'm talking about this, or I'm on a podcast show. Of course, I can't do that because I will never get any answers. So we have to rope them in and uh, use our brains. So that's what we're going to do here. I'm going to line up phone numbers here right now. I got them on line here. And uh, we're going to see what's going on here, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And uh, bring some attention. At the end, they'll know exactly who they're talking to, and I'm sure they'll figure it out what's going on and, and uh, you know, what, why I'm calling uh, eventually. That's probably what the conception or I'm going to get on this. So within about two minutes here, we're going to do that here as I punch in the numbers and get them lined up here on my studio screen. So just be patient here. About a minute and a half here, we'll be uh, 100% live with the bank, and uh, we'll call them live to see what's going on. In the year of our Lord, 1314, patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen and won their freedom. I feel like this all the time trying to politically awaken people that they're being lied to, that there's an agenda. It's not left or right. It's, hey, there's mind control going on. The signals broadcast 24 hours a day through all this media. Just become aware of it, and they'll say, there's nothing going on. And I want to say, put on these glasses or start chewing concrete. have taken the hearts and minds of our leaders. They have recruited the rich and the powerful, and they have blinded us to the truth. The question is, do we all work for central bankers? That's what I want to address to our guests tonight. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. An estimated 50 to 70 million Americans suffer from a sleep disorder or sleep deprivation. Outside the limit of our sight, feeding off us, perched on top of us from birth to death, are our owners. Latest census numbers prove the United States has the biggest gap between rich and poor compared to all westernized countries today. Our projections show that by the year 2025, not only America, but the entire planet will be under the protection and the dominion of this power alliance. The gains have been substantial, both for ourselves and for you, the human power elite. And for the first time in all of human history, mankind is politically awakened. That's a total new reality. I've got one that can see. We can't be the only ones who can see. Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate, sinister entity that's got at the root of all our problems. It's a new morning in America. Fresh. 
All right, I'm Joseph Gibson, podcasting here live, understanding the times we're today. All right, let's uh, get this branch here, call them up. Uh, I, I have not called these people yet, but I do have their corporate office here, but I'm going to call them branch here in Waterbury, Waterbury, Connecticut here. And I've, if you missed the intro here, apparently a, uh, a friend of mine apparently had deposited a check about six, seven weeks ago, a large amount, uh, was over $5,000, under 10000 And uh, the bank now has mysteriously lost that deposit and, they are refusing to really give answers. They're giving them the runaround. It's nothing but lies and garbage. And uh, I've got the story right here in front of me. So let's get this branch on the uh, phone here and uh, see what's going on. And then we'll give them a call. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, we'll go with Waterbury Branch first. I know with Watertown is his home branch. That's what I was told. And uh, then press 1. Anybody wants to chime in here, um, we'll go from there. But let me get this branch on the phone first. Let's see what happens. Thank you for calling, TD Bank, Robin Wood, John speaking. How may I help you? Uh, yes, how are you doing? I was just curious what your procedure is. Um, if I wanted to deposit, if I wanted to become a customer there, uh, just open up a basic checking account. If I had to deposit a check that was for, uh, say, uh, uh, eight, about uh, seventy-five hundred dollars, uh, how long would I have to wait to have it available to me? Uh, as long as we, we we don't have any red flags when we see the check, general general rules: we make the first hundred dollars available that day. And the rest of it, the next business day. That's next the general rule. Day. Yeah, okay. next business day. Yep. And if it's a check that's drawn from a bank, uh, just say from like uh, Canada or another country, well, how long would it take? Yeah, you're probably looking at 10 days. 10 days, so 10 days is probably the most. Uh, could, could it go any farther over that, you think? Because I want, because I have, I'm going to be uh, purchasing an apartment. And I need access yep. to my money, and I'm moving to the area. I mean, could it go, like, say, maybe two weeks or three weeks? I just need to tell the landlord this. You I, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never seen it. Never seen it. Uh, ho okay. Yeah, hold on. Let me check. Hold on. Okay. <clears throat> We're on hold here. Let me check. Well, probably 10 days. That's what he said. 10 days. He's never seen it, so it'll go any longer than that. So we should be we should be okay here, I would imagine, right? So, bing dong, just hung himself right there. Uh, all right, <clears throat> what's he checking on? Doop, doop, doop. What's a good way? Come on, there, buddy. I want to wait on hold here forever. It could, uh, uh, yeah. Hello. Yeah, you're on hold. It could, yes, it could take up to a month, yeah. Up to a month. So four weeks. Okay, yeah. well, four weeks. All right. Um, uh, uh, is, there, is there – now, who do I have to speak to about opening an account and whatnot? You can either open the account online or come in to any branch and open the account. But no matter what, okay. you've got to come in because we'll need a signature and you've got to make the deposit anyway. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, is there, is there a, 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 anyone, are you a supervisor? Who am I speaking to? Because I'm going to walk into that. Yep, my name actually. is John. Yep, yep, my name is John. Are you a supervisor? Yes. 
Oh, you are a supervisor. Because uh, the reason why I'm asking, because I want to do business with the branch, is that I'm just a little curious here. Is I'm looking into something, another matter, actually, also, while I got you on the phone, because I figured I want to try out your bank and move into that area. Because I have a friend of mine that's come in there, and or actually he's, the, that's had, he's been waiting for, I don't know, seven days, six to seven weeks for his money, and he can't get any answers, you know. And uh, I was just wondering, well, how come that happens? Because I'm a little worried when I go to deposit the, you know, my check in there if that's going to happen to me, you know. I, I can't comment on what his situation might be. No, no, but but I'm just saying it's, you said you've never seen it happen before, and I have a friend that banks there, and I was just wondering. And by the way, I'm on a radio show right now. It's called Understanding the Times in Which We Live Today, Blog Talk Radio, and my name is Joseph Gibson, and we're live worldwide. So uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to let you know that right now. Um, so you said you've never seen that before, but I have a friend here who says that that has happened to him at your branch. What's going on? Hello? Hello? Okay. Silence. Oh, he put me back on hold. Okay. It just puts me on hold. Okay. Well, again, you see, you see, this is very interesting, folks. Very interesting. You see, this is Hello. a branch. This is a branch. Hello? 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just saying, I, well, I got put back on hold there, and I was just wondering what's going on here. I mean, this was a buddy of mine. I mean, if I put my money there, I don't want this to happen to me. And, by the way, just out of curiosity, um, you know, I, I got a, while, I, while I got you on the phone, um, and you're familiar with the FDIC law regulations and related acts, like, for instance, 1306 and 1341, frauds and uh, uh, misappropriation of funds, you know, because usually bank practices shouldn't take longer than 10 days, like you said, for deposit from people in depositories deposit their money into your branch. Um, so what's going on here? I don't know. You don't have any clue, huh? Are nope. you familiar with the situation I'm talking about, or you don't, you don't nope. have any idea? So you're a supervisor, no, no and you don't know what's going on there. About. Okay. What if I got the gentleman on the phone with you? Would he be able to ver- Would he be able to maybe refresh your memory? Not over the phone, no. Why not? He can come in. We have to ID him he's and already come in he would several have times. Come. Okay. Well, he's already he come in several times, and he's got, he's got no answers. So right now we're doing it. We we can come in, but the next time we come in, we're going to come in with U.S. Marshals to serve paperwork. Okay. So that's why we're trying to resolve this now, you know, politely and, and professionally what, here. What's his name? What's his name? Hello. How are well, you? Well, I'm going to get him on the phone. I'll let him give that information, you. if you don't mind. Okay? If you don't mind. Uh, go ahead there, uh, 203. You're on the phone with uh, the supervisor here at the branch. Go ahead, 203. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You're there. Go ahead. Yeah, you're on with him. There's only one confirmed positive case. You'll you'll, you'll recall what's going on. No, I have no clue. What's your name, sir? Michael Champagne. What's your name? You got to turn down your background noise, please. Champagne. Wherever you got background noise. Michael Champagne? Yes, I was supposed to call call you today before 6 o'clock, remember? And uh, I've been I've been in your branches yesterday, and I was told it's going to be released today. Now I'm going to run around again. Now do you remember? No. Well, what 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 what's, what's you have your uh, what's going on that you're saying we're holding your money? Uh, Melissa, your uh, colleague there is all aware of all this what's going on. It's what's called Melissa today. There's no Melissa that works here. Oh, that's funny. 
What's her last name? Uh, we have her telephone number. We have Melissa's phone number. It's a separate number. It's eight six zero two seven one zero one nine three. Yeah, Melissa. I have no idea where that is. I might be so another branch. So, so yep. he was given a number of somebody you don't even know. So she doesn't even have a clue. This Melissa probably doesn't even work for the branch. <laughs> What's going on at this branch, man? I mean, is something going on where people's money is being taken from them or by chance? Or what's no, going on here? No, no. Put Michael back on the phone. Michael's on the phone. Go ahead. Okay, Michael, you have your debit card number or account number? I think you have over the radio. No, not over the radio. Okay, we want to give it over a live radio podcast show. You know who this gentleman is, sir. And Michael, I don't you know, know who he is. You call him by his first name. I mean, he's not a said number. His name was cut. Michael. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't well, know who well, I'll tell you what. I'll put you both in a private green room where nobody can get that information, and then he can give you that information, then I'll put you back on. How's that sound? No. If that's uh, what, what you need. What bran- no, well, I need him to come into the branch. I don't know what branch he's walked yeah, well, into. I don't think he's walked into this one. Well, I started, I, uh, started with Waterbury, and I, I deal with, uh, started with Middletown, and then I also now deal with Waterbury because that's where it was. Which Waterbury branch? Do you remember? Waterbury down, downtown Water Green. Okay, this is not the downtown. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, I'm not sure which one. This is Mr. Watertown. You want that phone number? Hang on, sir, sir. Can I ask this question? Wells Fargo Bank of America. No, no, no. You cannot ask any questions on Michael's behalf. No, you cannot. I'm not. Well, I'm asking on my behalf. Uh, on, a, on a general public's behalf, is understanding the times in which you live today. Uh, TD Bank, you own, P, TD Branch, you're, you're say you say if I'm a customer at another TD Bank, I can't do business with you, and I'm not, I don't have a relationship with you. Oh yeah, so you're, you're saying, saying he he spoke. Yeah, but you're referencing names that you're expecting me to understand his situation when he never stepped in this branch. So I think you'd be a little unfair with that. Yeah, okay, I get what you're saying. I understand. All fairness to you, I understand what you're saying. That you're saying he Good. didn't step into that branch. But he's a customer making a genuine complaint here that okay. saying that his money hasn't been given to him after making a deposit of $8,000 for over seven weeks. Wouldn't this alarm you as being a supervisor for a bank, TD Bank, yeah. representative? Yeah, so I told him to come and see me. That's why I told him to come and see me. First thing okay. I told okay. you, if you'd stop okay. talking, first thing I told you, okay. send him in. First thing I said. But your well, mouth keeps going, so you don't listen. Sir, 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 there's no need to be rude First, and disrespectful. I, uh, you're being condescending right you're now. Talking okay? over, and you're, talking over, you're talking over me. There's called little lag time. We're on a radio show worldwide, by the way. But you don't need to be condescending. Now, you I'm can not. look up Michael's information. I can put you in a private green room right now in, in, where nobody's mm-hmm. listening. And you can look up his number. He doesn't need to come down to your branch. What if he's disabled? What if he needs? Okay. What if he doesn't have transportation? Why should he come I down to your branch? I asked him to give me an account number. I will talk to Michael. Michael, I'm going to put you and this gentleman here in a private room, okay? And nobody else can hear, okay? I want you to straighten this out while he's on the line with me. So I'm going to put you in a private room, both of you, right now, and you can talk. Nobody else will be able to hear you, okay? Okay, they're in a private room right now, those two arguments. He has to give out personal financial information, obviously, and we don't want it that over Blog Talk Radio. So he's in a private green room. I'm going to connect uh, – I think I can put you over there with uh, – uh, the other 203 I have on the line there, Peter. I'm going to put you in a green room with him, and then you just text me when they're done and giving out their private information so I can put them live back on the air, okay? 
All right, everybody. Hey, you see how snotty they are? Arrogant they are? That how arrogant and rude and disrespectful. You know, a theft of eight thousand dollars. It's not like everyone has eight thousand dollars sitting in their sock. You know, and hey, you think that? And matter of fact, the banks have all the damn money anyway. They can print the damn crap over for free. They re, they take your money and they fractionalize it, fractional reserve banking, and then they recreate it and lend it out at interest to other people. The money that you blood, sweat, and tears worked for, and then when you want it, they don't have it. They have to order it, or it's not on hand because they only have enough money on hand to do business for that particular day. And I think that's wrong. It's money changers. The money changers have been talked about since, what, even back in Jesus' time, okay? In the time of Jesus, the money changers. And, and, and he had to whip them out of the temple. And that's what this guy, that's what Jesus needs to do. Whip, maybe show this guy something, not me, but Jesus needs to. And this guy is, should be ashamed of himself. But anyway, let me check on them guys and make sure that they're uh, all right over there. We're live here. Understand the times in which we live today. Let me go over to the green room and make sure if I can get them back on live. All right, everybody, everybody, he's not done yet giving out his personal information. Just hang tight. Just hang tight, and then we'll get connect him back live. Yeah, it's four to six weeks, and the six weeks expired, and now we're still playing games. When did you deposit the check, Michael? July 26th. Obviously, you can see it on, you can see it on the screen on my account, can't you? But it's still on hold, Michael. The best I can tell you is that you know, we say four to six well, weeks. Well, I was told. I Wait was a told, second here, uh, sir. Four... Wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. You just told me over the phone that you only hold funds for 10 days. Why did I, I, I he you just to... told, You just verified he deposited July 22nd. What's the hold up here? It's a, foreign, it's a foreign check, which I once I checked on the timeline, I told you it was four to six weeks. And that expired. No, you said four weeks. You said four weeks. You said four, four weeks. It could six, go up no, to four, four weeks. To That's what you weeks. said. No, I well, I can play it back for weeks. you what you said live on my show. But you said up to four weeks. But four to six weeks. But why? Well, even that, it's, it's a past that time frame here. When is he going to get the? When is the man going to get his money? Why are you guys? Because we know fractional reserve banking. You're recreating the money and you're lending it out at you to other people and other customers and whatnot, collecting interest at it. It's called fractional reserve banking. I understand how your bank operates and well, how it makes money. But this man needs his money. Well, what seems to be the problem here? Can you can you fix this problem for him by tomorrow or the next day? I think Michael's going to have to come into a branch or call 1-800. I think we're done with this. Sir, hey, sir, guess what? You know what? I work for a living, okay? I can't spend six weeks going back to I appreciate that, Michael. Well, at the, I time I get the, word, the time I get the water town, your banks are closed. All right. Best thing I can tell you is call a 1-800 service number. They might be able to assist you in releasing the funds. So but you're not going to help this man. You're not going to help this man. You're going to brush him off and say the call's over. That's what you're going to do. As a representative for TD Bank, and that, and you, and you're, and you, you're an association in collusion, actually committing a crime right now. All right, we are done with the call. Good day, both of you.
That's fine. You can hang up if you want to. I mean, I'm giving you a chance to defend yourself and speak your piece here. Oh, he hung up. There you go. It's all recorded. That's fine. Uh, well, okay, live. Understanding the times in which you live today, um, um, we are live here. I'm sorry I had to mute uh, the call there while he gave out his personal information to live, live callers and listeners there. And there will be a dead air when you go and listen to the show in the archives, everybody. So there will be about probably about a minute and a half of dead air. Um, so, because I can't let him give his personal information out live on the internet radio, that would be just suicide. Um, so, but uh, Michael, well, I got you on the phone, and I don't know if I have Dr. Peter Ventura here with me either. Uh, he's pretty quiet if he is. Um, uh, Michael, what's the deal here? What, what, what's the, how fed up and pissed off are you right now? I mean, this is sad. This is bad. I mean, $8,000, they're holding your money. I mean, this is terrible. I'm going to put you back on hold, Michael, everybody, and I'm going to call the corporate office and explain to them what just happened here, okay? So uh, let me do that, and I'll put you guys back on hold, and we're going to contact the corporates now. And that guy was pretty pretty rude. He was very rude to me, uh, obviously. He didn't want nothing to do with me, and I think that's why they don't want nothing to do with Peter now. They don't want him talking. See, Michael? They don't want people who can, and no offense to you, they don't want people who can speak direct to them and been around this block and who are very street smart who can understand exactly the games that they're trying to run here. And they're not, it's a con. And I foresaw this coming from the get-go when Peter first told me this story when they started giving you problems. And you heard what he said in the beginning, 10 days, 10 days, 10 days, maybe 14, four weeks if it's an international check, maybe. He doesn't foresee any problems, remember? But as soon as we told, you gave your information, all of a sudden, it's on hold, Michael. It's on hold. All of a sudden, now he had an exact time, six weeks. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't say six to eight weeks to give himself a little more time to commit more lies, you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, Unbelievable. I'm going to walk down to a TD event in Hartford. Yeah. What you guys say? Well, you heard call the 1-800 number. Yeah, okay. Well, like, yeah, like there, then you're going to get some woman make you, what's your account number? What's your address? Can you verify your name, please? Can you stand on your head? Can you do eight jumping jacks? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, and all that crap, you know, so... It's, it's all nonsense, but I'm going to call the corporate office right now, and uh, I don't know if Peter can hear me or Peter talk. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I see his number here. I don't know if he's connected or not. I see his number on the call board. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I didn't hear you say anything there, Peter. That's why. I mean, you knew the story better well, than I mean, me. But you, you I wanted you to kind of like to ride the ship there, you know? Yeah, but you should have called the branch uh, over there in Waterbury where uh, Melissa was. At the, That's uh, we're going six, to right three, now. Seven. We're going to. We're going six. to. I just want to get different stories, Peter. You see how they hung themselves? You see that? Yeah. You well, see how they hung themselves? The well, I'm, being, I'm being called right now. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. You go ahead. You go ahead and then uh, go ahead and do that. And I'll, I'll uh, pause here. I'll call the Melissa. Actually, you talk to Melissa for me, Peter. Do that and uh, give a re- and uh, first I will, and then I'll get you there and see what she has to say about this. I'm going to tell her the situation. And then well, we won't let her know let Michelle, I let Michelle talk to her at six five seven three eight three oh six one six. And let Michelle talk to her. He's supposed to call her now. Oh, he's supposed to call her now? Okay. Yeah. All right, no, it's uh it, I thought it was eight six oh two seven one number that was uh Melissa. Even so that was Melissa, All right. The number that I have is uh six five seven three eight three oh no, oh six one six. That's my number. It is. Yeah, that's the huh. show number, Peter. <laughs> How about that? All right, let yeah, me give you the, the number. Uh, yeah. It's eight eight six zero two seven one. Yep. Okay. Oh one nine three. You gave it to me earlier. 
And it's it's o one nine seven, correct? Or nine three is it? I only, the last number is the only one I don't have. Three. 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 Okay, got you. All right. Let's see what's going on here. I got it right here on my call. I, I, I programmed everything because, before we even came on the air. So yeah, I would I know what's going on here. Because Joe Biden just mandated vaccines for every federal employee. Yeah. Well, we know that was coming. We know that's coming. And everyone will take it, and they will take it, and they will cooperate. They will. But hang on. Let me call Melissa here. Let's see what's going on with Melissa. I'm going to make a complaint here. My name is Tiffany Wick, Keller Williams Legacy Partners. How can I help you? Uh, yes, how you doing? Is this Melissa? No, this is Tiffany with uh, Keller Williams Legacy Partners. Um, well, I'm looking for Melissa. This is the Melissa? number I was given to contact Melissa. Melissa? Okay, um, let me double check. Give me one second. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't have a number. Yeah, I don't have. Yeah, no problem. Are you looking to uh, purchase a home? No, I'm uh, not, I'm actually calling about TD Bank. <laughs> uh, there was a transaction that Melissa was handling uh, concerning oh. TD Bank. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I think we're we're a local real estate agency. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right. Obviously, yeah. you don't handle matters for TD Bank, so we I don't have Melissa's mm-hmm. proper contact information. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't uh, handle that. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Thank you for your time, though, ma'am. That's no problem. Thank you. Have a good day. Yep. Michelle. Yeah, Peter. You, yeah, you gave me the wrong number. All right. Ask Michelle. He's got the number. <laughs> Michelle, are you still there? Michelle, give me the- Michelle, are you still on the line? Uh, no wonder why they lost the money. Nobody can get their story straight. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is how the world operates. You know, no, everyone, everyone's in such a hurry that nobody can sit down and figure things out. Oh, Lord. I, Michelle, I said he had to go. He had a call on the other line, I think. So he might be get, get, getting called. I think that's what it was. So, uh, you know, let me call the corporate office at least. And make a complaint towards this. If you don't want to do that, then we can hold. But, you know, we have the fire under their ass right now. And, and, and you don't think that supervisor from that branch is calling somebody above him right now and investigating what's going on with this account? Sure he is. Michelle, are you there? Now, he must be on the line with her. Yeah, he might be. He might be on the line with Melissa. He might be. That's okay. I mean, I don't know how you gave me a real estate company phone number. I don't know how that happened because you're giving me the last number you called, <laughs> the, the real estate company, because that was a real estate company there I called, and she didn't have a one clue to exactly what I was talking about. So, and neither near nor, nor should she, actually, to be honest with you. All right. But as we can see, people are lying. Here's the number, 203. Hang on, hang on. 203-759. Okay. Four zero zero one. All right, all right. Let's call Melissa and just at least put this in her ear and see what she has to say about it. You know, and then we'll do it like that. Okay. I won't give out any personal information or anything along those lines. So let me call. Let me dial in. Punch in. Everybody, be patient here. That's on the call board here. We have a lot of people listening right now. And uh, just be patient. I know everybody's in a hurry. Five o'clock madness time. All right, here we go.
dial for the other guy to answer. She must have a voicemail, I would imagine. 203-759-4001. Let's call it. Here we go. You might be on the line with Michelle right now, Peter. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, maybe let me hang up just in case until I hear from Michelle. Yeah, let me do that. Let me hang up. Yeah, because it might be Michelle. Now, Peter, to the listeners out there, can you please explain the story a little more clearer than what Michelle had explained it to me about, you know, just going to deep without giving out personal information. Tell us what happened. Yeah, what happened was he received a uh, an inheritance check and uh, from a Canadian bank, TD Bank, by the way, in Canada, and uh, from the insurance company, went to Watertown Branch in Watertown, Connecticut, and made the deposit, and they told him three you know, two to three days, it'd be clear. And then uh, they, he saw that it was in his account, and then the, it was removed from his account, and that he was in the red. And so he went, called the bank, said, what am I doing in the red? And they said, well, we made a mistake. It's a Canadian check. It takes four to six weeks to clear. And he said, four to six weeks? Well, you didn't tell me that. I could have had it cashed in Canada, you know. But so anyway, uh, he waited, and uh He's been waiting for it to clear. He's been checking on it, and they keep telling him, well, uh, we're we're waiting for it to clear. So the other day we went and sat with the uh, lady named Melissa in the Waterbury branch where he does his main banking. And uh, Melissa told him that, well, there was a problem back in July because after a check is deposited into a person's account 15 days later, the bank shreds the check and that the bank in Canada wants a hard copy of it to make sure it's the real thing. And I said, you know, wow. what are you talking about? We have electronic uh, uh, communications. What do you mean they want it? And then she said, well, you're going to have to have the uh, insurance company issue another check. And he said, wait a minute. You guys screwed this up. I didn't screw this up. I don't have to have the insurance company issue anything. You you fix it. Who told him this, this Peter? Who told him this? Who told him this? The Watertown branch? Uh, no, Waterbury. Oh, Waterbury. Oh, okay. okay. And so uh, – she said, well, and then she, he said, listen, I can't deal with this because I'm working during the day, and uh, and let Peter uh, deal with this. And so uh, uh, she said, okay. And uh, so I spoke to her, and, she, and I said, you know, what's going on today? This morning I spoke to her, and she said, well, I need a couple uh, uh, more hours. I'm working on this. I'm working on with two different people. And I said, listen, I'm just going to report this. I mean, you're not covered by the FDIC, but you are covered by the uh, Office of uh, uh, of uh, Currency Commission. And yep. she said, yeah, well, she said, well, I said, give me the district manager's name. Who's the regional director for TD Bank in the state of Connecticut? And she said, well, her name is Diane, but uh, I'll uh, let me get, please just give me two more hours. So I said, okay. So then in those two hours, she called Michelle, and she told Michelle that she, that she can't deal with me anymore. She's not going to talk to me anymore, even though he gave her permission to. So that's, well, uh, in their so reviews, that's uh, yeah, in their reviews, they falsely reported credit scores and held me hostage, so I couldn't uh, refinance. 
That's one person says. I felt like she didn't want our service because we are all Latino. That's what one person says. So they don't have very many good reviews, TD Bank. And judging yeah. by that representative who spoke to me on the telephone there um, and how he spoke to me, I mean, you know, he has to understand when you're dealing with a customer, you know, uh, you have to uh, defuse the situation, not not hang up and run away, not not to be condescending. And not insult people. And that's very unprofessional for a banker who's holding something so important that is so very important to everybody, which is their money, because that's how you survive. You know, so um, I, look, look, people, you know. I told her it yeah. was a larceny. It's a larceny. Yeah. You stole his money. And she said, no, we have his money. I said, that's what I'm saying. You have his money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they got it all right. They got it. <laughs> Relending it out over and over and over to other people, you know. Oh boy, I tell you. Oh boy, I bet the Watertown he branch says, right here. Michelle says she's on the phone with somebody named Don. Don. Well, who's oh, yeah, Don? The guy Does he represent showed, the bank? The guy. Yeah, the guy that you called. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, they don't want to talk to me, huh? <laughs> well, I'm not. You know. Well, they don't. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to talk to me, and and that's fine. And most people don't because they know I'm not. I don't not in for their bullcrap. I don't want to hear nonsense, and I really don't care about it. I'm a very direct and straightforward person. Now I, I know I could be uh, a little overbearing sometimes, but when you're dealing with eight thousand dollars, I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know. I mean, come on. Yeah. Think oh, about come it. Come on, cut it out. Cut it out. All you got to do is call a, a bank and say we made a mistake. We 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 uh, trashed the check. And the problem is, if he goes back to his insurance, now listen. Here's a guy that needs a motor vehicle. He's got a car sitting here, and he can't purchase the car. He has no transportation. He's riding city buses, and they're holding his money. Yeah. So a multi-billion-dollar uh, institution, by the way, that the people bailed out in 2008. You know. You know what I mean. And and yeah. and he and he's and he's and here we got a poor a guy in lower class bracket, lower class in society, which I'm not putting the guy down. He's probably a hard worker, good guy, um, but you know he's he hasn't you know got on his feet and, and established himself yet. He's trying to, and the bank is keeping him down. They're holding his money because they're getting rich off of it. Well, he's not going to reap any of the benefits whatsoever. I believe he should be paid some sort of interest. You know. Well, and again, I mean, and again, the problem becomes this. If if the insurance company has to reissue the check, they want to make sure the check wasn't deposited. Well, the check shows deposited. Yep. Sorry. That's right. And, and so they're not going to issue a check until TD Bank clears it. So now he's yeah. stuck another two or three weeks. And then they're going to get it, and then they're going to clear it, and then it's going to take four to six more weeks. This guy wouldn't see his money till February. Well, didn't he get a receipt, though, his deposit, when he deposited over to, he deposited over the counter or at an ATM? Oh, yeah. No, no. He deposited over the counter. Yeah. The problem, they should have gave him a receipt. Is, yeah, he has a receipt. The problem is we're dealing with so much, you know, it's like court clerks and things. You're dealing with people that are incompetent, that really yep. shouldn't be doing the job they're doing. And and they're, you know. You're absolutely correct. Uh, got, we talk about this all the time. Michelle said to tell you you're on hold, so he just doesn't know how to merge the calls or he would have. Oh, okay. That's fine. That's fine. He's on hold right now. That's fine. I understand. Yeah. I got I got Michelle yeah, got, on the call. 
Yeah, he's got you on hold. He'll come back and tell you what they're saying in a minute. Oh, okay, okay, got you, got you. Okay, so we got to stand by and wait here, folks, for the verdict of this. Michelle is on the phone with Melissa, who obviously may, isn't that interesting how she called, or or excuse me, you know or what? Don called back, called him. <laughs> yeah, called him back because you know you want to get off that radio program. <laughs> Darn right he did. Because why would you listen? If I'm if I'm innocent and I've done nothing wrong, and I and look, I'm a ra- I'm a podcaster here, and, and look, I put my own personal business out here, which I sh- probably shouldn't have because people tear you apart and attack you. But thing of it is that Don doesn't have anything to hold uh, value here. He just has his name and his reputation. If this guy's really honest and sincere, he could have made himself a really good name here. Say, hey, I'll check this out for you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look into this. I'll call you right back. You know. Instead, he wanted to be a wise ass and hang up on me. You know. Yeah, he had second thoughts about that, I, I would imagine. You know, oh, yeah, him, that's why he called. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and said, you know, I, I maybe made a mistake. I was, I don't know what kind of radio program I was just on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, obviously he's probably getting some results because if Michelle's been on the phone this long with him and he's getting to the bottom of this, he's probably putting a tra- tracker on the check to ch- find out where it is. And you're right, they do well, shred the no checks. Thing. I looked it up, but they do a scan. They scan them. Yeah, yeah sure. And and that's the whole thing. And, you know, uh, they, all of a sudden, you know, it got uh, the Waterbury branch. We don't know anything. But I, like I said, I spoke to the uh, Bunsman at FDIC. And that's good for people to know. They're not FDIC insured. So you lose your money there, you lose your money. Yep. Most banks are insured yeah. up to, uh, you know, over 100 grand uh, for a deposit. By the FDIC, these people are not, according yeah, to what the right. uh, FDIC told me. But, but they did tell me the office of the Comptroller of Currency. That's, uh, and I have a number for them. But um, it's a shame. That well, whom I got from people. the FDIC laws and regulations and related acts, uh, Peter, is that the uh, that according to the statute, the uh, F, uh, uh, stat, the, the statutes. And regulation 1306, 1341, 1343, and 1344 bank fraud. Um, you know, it, it's it's very simple. You know, whoever who whoever knowingly executes or attempts to execute in schemes or art, or artfully or defrauds a financial institution or employees thereof or agents of to obtain any of the monies, funds, credits, assets, securities, or property owned by or under the custody or control of that financial institution by means of by means of any subsequent false or fraudulent pretenses or representations or promises. They remember that's a fake promise he gave them. Um, shall be fined more than one million dollars or imprisoned more than thirty years or both. You know that's just the fraud part. We can get into the misappropriation of funds, the disclosure of confidential information, obstru- obstructing examination of financial institutions, because uh, I, I have a right to, he has a right to examine his account, disclosure of information from a bank examination report. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we can get into all those rules and, and conduct and principles. And if you contact the Board of Federal Reserve governors for that district, that area up there, trust me, you know, they don't want that. They don't want that publicity right now. You know, after things had just cooled down from the banker bailout and everything, you know, people were used to well, could stand back there for a little while. That's why after I spoke to them about that and I mentioned that, that they don't want to talk to me anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. Because yep. because he doesn't, Michelle's just the average guy, and he doesn't have any of that knowledge. She doesn't know. He but doesn't know see, what to tell them. Yeah, but you made a good point, Peter, earlier. You said people are unqualified today. 
And no offense to Michelle, and no offense to anybody that's out there listening. Shame on you. We should be a knowledgeable and informed people. How can we put leaders who are going to make decisions for us in power across the board across in America, and we don't have any knowledge of anything? But let me tell you, though, we know what, what rap song is number one. We know what music is number one. We know when the concerts are coming to town. We know all the stats to a football game, but we can't talk about banks because we don't know anything, you know, where we put our money that we pay our bills with. This is the problem we have, you know. Uh, or we don't know about God, for instance, the Bible. You know, we talked about that earlier. You know, you know, you don't understand these things or know it. You know, which I I do. You and I were just having a conversation, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, I'm just I was just playing devil's advocate earlier, but uh, I do that to obtain information um, to get it out of people because people don't want to disclose it. <laughs> but uh, we should know about life in general. The founding fathers were. That's why the foundation, the history of this country is so very important. Look what they did with Robert E. Lee. They took the statue down, folks. They took the statue down, and guess what statue is the only statue left up there in the plaza right now? Guess what statue is there? Can you guess anybody? Anybody in the chat room can guess? Anybody? There's one statue remaining in Virginia. I'm going to tell you. He's, he died of AIDS. Oh, and there's still nobody. Arthur Ashe, a tennis player. <laughs> That's your history, America. Arthur Ashe. Didn't, wasn't he a homosexual, too, or he got, he got AIDS? I remember he died of AIDS. He was a tennis player, Arthur Ashe. That's your statue. That's your history in America today. <laughs> not Robert Lee, who had – he was not a racist, Robert Lee. He was not. You know, nobody knows the real history of Robert Lee. But they took down Robert Lee's statue. They want to erase your history because if the history be released, if the foundations be destroyed, how can the righteous survive or live? You know, I mean, it's just incredible. It's a terrible thing. Well, Peter, I'm waiting for uh, Michelle here. I mean, what should I do here in the meantime? Maybe he's on hold, Michelle, right now. I'm talking to him right now. Maybe I'll go to a commercial break here for a few minutes. I have to drive and, off uh, myself. And what's I may that? lose you. I have to drive Oh, you're on the road now? In, in a, yeah, I'm heading out to uh, Woodbury to the uh, to the church. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, if you want to give a final thought here, I mean, I'm waiting for Michelle. Is Michelle, I mean, he can't be still on the phone with this woman, this person, Cody. I'll ask him. Hold on. Yeah. I mean, if they, if he is, they, they got him on hold, put him on the way. They're hanging up on him. That's about 45 minutes of waiting on hold. folks with now with Dr. Peter Ventura here. I'll tell you what, people don't like people getting popular. They don't like your podcast getting popular. They don't like it. They don't like participating. Nobody wants to be involved. Everybody wants to stay in their comfort zone. Nobody wants any problems. And that's what we face here today. And that's why things are getting worse and worse and worse. Peter, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. asking him. Yes, is he still on hold? I'm waiting for uh, a response from uh, okay. Michelle. I got you then. All right, well, send him a response. Tell him I'm going to take a 10-minute commercial break. I'm going to play a documentary then or something if I can't get a hold of him. Um, I mean, I just don't know. No, uh, I don't, I don't hey, have anything uh, lined up. There he is. Hello? 
Hello, uh, I just got off the phone with, T- with, with TD Bank in Waterbury, and uh, I, didn't get, I didn't get a chance to call. Uh, I didn't get a chance to call the bank in. Uh, no, sorry, uh, Watertown. I didn't get a chance to call Melissa at uh, Waterbury Branch. Apparently, she's not there, so she left. So she left today. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's call the corporate she's office there. before they close. Then let's call, let's see if the corporate office is open real quick. Well, you can register your complaints there. What did that guy on the Waterbury branch? Don't hey, I don't want that guy calling me no more. Probably right. He probably didn't want me calling him no more. Right? Oh, I, I was I was more than certain that I was was threatened about that. Not to do that again. Yeah. All right. Let's um let's call the corporate office and uh, see what we can get going on here. Remember, watch your background noise, everybody. Let's see. Let's call the corporate office. See if I can get somebody uh get somebody's attention. It's late in the day. We had luck here in the beginning. Might be closed. Yeah, we might we might not get hello. Office, nobody's answering, so they're, they're quite apparent that they are closed for the day, most likely. Corporate headquarters, they probably blackballed my number, so nobody's answering. So, we're not getting anybody from the corporate headquarters right now, so that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, let me see here. What do else do I got here lined up here? Let me see here. Um, well, I, I think I had another number for. Here. If Melissa's not there, there certainly is a bank manager. Yeah, well, I was on the phone. I was on the phone with the bank manager for a half hour. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to hear it, Peter. You're going to have to get a hold of corporate headquarters. And Michelle, I want you to write down this phone number. This is corporate headquarters. I know you work during the day and whatnot. Yeah, they're only open until. Uh, well, it says. It says. Well, it says they're closed at five. That's what it says. I think they're in Delaware. They're in Wilmington, Delaware. TB Bank Corporate Headquarters, TB Bank, 2035 Limestone Road, Wilmington, Delaware, 19808. Their phone number is 302-351-4560. And uh, that's uh, Corporate Headquarters for TD Bank. I got their website right here. Let's see if I, maybe I can get their website. Maybe I'll get another number here I can contact here. Um, you know, this is just a, a sad... They got your money. You heard call the one eight hundred number. They are a disgusting bank. They are a criminal banking cartel. That's what they are. A criminal banking cartel. That's exactly what they are. Terrible. I mean, to, to, to do this to a customer over the telephone. And you know, you're without your money. They all get to go home. You don't get to eat tonight. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, just hypothetical. You know, hypothetical situation here. I'm um, just saying, uh, you know, this is how they do you. I'm on their website right now. Look at all this gibberish on here. Look at this online banking login. All this, oh yeah, products and services, oh yeah, they're just something uh, unexpected. Oh, what a bunch of nonsense! Stay away from it. Stay away. Stay away from the banks. The banks are criminals, folks. Criminals. And we just demonstrated that right here on the te- live on the telephone, where the Waterbury branch manager there was totally rude, condescending. We have a gentleman on the phone line right now who has eight thousand dollars stolen from him. Stolen. And nothing. Nothing at all. Let me ask you a question, uh, Michelle. 
What's your location? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, downtown, uh, Hartford. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll contact you after I get out of church this evening. Okay. All right. Michelle, I, I mean, we, I, I'm assure you that, that that bank manager is contacting somebody, and I assure well, you that, they, that that you put you you obviously made waves today. I assure you of that. I wouldn't be surprised if after midnight tonight that money shows up in your account. I would not well, be surprised. I gotta give I gotta give I gotta give Mr. Credit because she's the one uh, he's the one at that branch. She's the most did the most work in the last two days, and they did it in six weeks. But, yeah. Okay. Well, that's well, good. That's good. Well, she shut me off. So I don't know how much work she's doing. You sat there in her office and gave her permission to work through me, so you could not be bothered at work well, she, and know that they can't heat. contact you. She got heat by, uh, by by the TV the TV management. Well, that's yeah. who you guys should be calling right now is the manager in Waterbury. The manager of what branch in Waterbury? Well, Melissa, the one where Melissa is. Call Melissa's number and ask for the branch manager. All right. Well, you told me not to. Uh, all right. I've got Melissa's number here. Let me try calling Melissa's number then. Let's do that. Yeah, that's a good idea, Peter. Good idea because they're still open. Well, we got we got to do this quick because they're getting ready to close. They may not answer. Yeah, it's a good idea though. I should have did that right away. All right. Let's call them live on the podcast here and uh, see what's going on here. All right. Call them up. How do I get around that? Well, I got to get down on uh, Spruce Brook, but I didn't want to go all the way. Can I go up? Yeah. Did I have an accident? Yeah, well, I'm almost in front of my house. All right, I'll take the one. What was that? No, that's your background there with the uh, talking to a bat faggot. Accidents, that's all they're good for. Hey, why don't you tell them about the theft, the theft that you just witnessed? How about that? That's what I would do. Report a crime. Report a crime. <laughs> you know? All right, they're not going to answer. They're closing. The branch is closing. They're not going to answer right now at this time of day. Uh, it's 5 of 6. They close at 6. You know they're not going to answer the phone at 5 of 6. Let me tell you, know, I seriously doubt it. They're not going to answer. They close at six. It's five of six. You know, Americans today they go. They got to leave work. They got to go to work. If they're at work, you know, they usually wrap up work a half an hour before they go home. So especially a banker, you know. So I'm surprised they have it open until six o'clock up there in Connecticut. Down here they close at five, you know. So in here in North Carolina. So uh, I lost Peter there, but Michelle, I want to thank you for uh, participating in tonight's podcast. Uh, and I and I, I I'm sorry this happened to you for the eight thousand dollars that you've lost, but I. I did my best here, and, I, and I, I argued with the the branch for you, and I put something. Obviously, they called you right back after you got off the phone with me. I would not be surprised, Michelle, and mark my words to my experience, is that within the next 48 hours, I assure you, your money will turn up in your account because that guy, that manager, is calling his his boss, and his boss is calling his boss, and it's gonna. And there's an old maxim of law. Big fish eat little fish, so that's why they're doing that. 
And in business, that's how it always works. So it creates a shark tank. You'll get your money because when I quoted the the laws to him, the U.S. banking laws, and what what I could do and what I may do, he uh, immediately got very agitated. So um, keep us informed, and hopefully we'll do an update show here, podcast with you on the air. How's that sound, Michelle? What are your hours at work? Uh, 8 to 3.30 if I don't work late. Okay, okay. Well, I'm usually on in the evening times anyway. So, yeah, man, you can give us an update. Uh, um, Michelle, uh, anything else you want to add here to the podcast here real quick before I go into my documentary part of the say, uh, Unless i got some callers here who want to press 1 and talk here tonight. They can. But uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, anything else you want to talk about or uh, that's on your mind? I know you got some uh, – I know you got problems there. I don't, I don't want to go into your personal business of what, I, what was disclosed to me without your permission, so I'll just give you the floor. Whatever you want to bring up, you can. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? Or um, maybe, maybe your broadcast will, will help. Maybe we'll make some waves, and uh, maybe things might get done. I or hope that so. Goes. Uh, yeah, well, I won't let it go. I assure you that. I'm like a beetle. I'll keep staying. I don't like banks. I can't stand the banking institutions. They're the criminals. And uh, they are pure criminals, and uh, they're the moneyers. And uh, for the love of money, you know, everyone kills each other over money. You know, I know we need it. We have to have it to survive. Trust me, we have to have it to do things. Okay. And that, that's a terrible feeling, you know, not having any money, well, especially if a bank's well, well, you got off the phone with Don. Uh, he called me about the, 10 minutes later. And more has got threatened not to threaten not to do that, and, and I can't do it. We can't bully a bank, and there's, there's federal events and so forth, so forth. And uh, and then apparently, um, they're supposed to be digging into it first thing in the morning, and supposed yeah. to call back, and they won't do. It, so good. Let's see what happens. So I, I, they're digging, they're investigating it, they're looking into it for you. I'm glad that that's uh, that, that I was able to get that. You know, we'll put a foot up their ass for you. You know, and that's just what they need. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to get into uh, a documentary here, everybody. Yep, go ahead. I'm sorry, Michelle. Go ahead. Sometimes they need kicking him, uh, kick Santa here, kicking a butt. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, man. And uh, I guarantee that money will show up in your account. I assure you of that. Don't worry, it will. They uh, that bank there. We had them live on the air, and uh, we really stuck. We I, I, listen. I, you heard what I told him. I, <laughs> he didn't want to talk to me no more. And once he hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and he called you immediately. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. That, I mean, that's terrible. That's terrible. Eight thousand dollars. The bank just steals this man's money, and the bank's nothing. And it takes somebody from a podcast show to call live on the air instead of talking about nonsense like most other podcasters do uh, to uh, you know uh, help somebody out. So hopefully you get your money uh, within by tonight, Michelle. I hope so. I really do. I hope so. Um, let me play a little bit of World War II here, a little documentary there. If anybody wants to queue in here before I do, it's going to be about 15 minutes long, and then I'll take calls at the end. Uh, the phone number is 657-383-0616. Press the number 1. You have to press 1, and I will bring you on unscreened, uncensored, always on my podcast show. We did an early show here tonight. Usually we're on in the evening times a little bit later, but we went a little bit early tonight because I had to help somebody out and call TD Bank in Walling. Wow, Waterbury, Wally World, Waterbury, Connecticut, the Brass City, filled with crack dealers and prostitutes and the Brass City, just a, where the mayor goes to prison every, what, I think you have had, what, three mayors go to prison already? Uh, Santa Pedro, uh, Rich Gannon, no, he was in uh, Bridgeport. 
Governor Rowland went to prison. Even Connecticut had a governor go to prison. <laughs> oh, Connecticut, man. Let me tell you, police state. Man. <laughs> oh, Lord. Don't move to Connecticut. You'll be taxed to death. You want to buy a pack of cigarettes in Connecticut? It's like 13 bucks. <laughs> All right, we'll play a little apocalypse. Second World War documentary here. We'll do that. Let him get away with it. 
The USSR is the last major neighboring power left to counter Hitler. It has signed a mutual assistance treaty with France. The Union of Soviet Socialist Republics is the official name of Communist Russia and its satellite republics. Manipulation of the masses in Red Square masks the iron-fisted dictatorship of Stalin, who has also thrown millions of poor wretches into his labor camps. The Gulag. Industrialization and forced militarization have made the USSR a major power. Despite their fear of communism, the Western powers rely on the USSR.
Hitler can hardly believe it. German generals find themselves facing their worst-case scenario, war on two fronts. But the die is cast. Hitler unleashes the Wehrmacht, the armed forces of Nazi Germany, onto Poland. battle as if in a bygone age, the Polish cavalry charges the German tanks and is slaughtered. Paris, the Gare de l'Est train station. Many of these men had shipped out from these same platforms 25 years ago in a totally different atmosphere. In August 1914, they marched off to war in high spirits with flowers in their rifles. But there are no flowers this time. And no rifles. Nobody wants to fight this war. Four million men are mobilized. Many of them are farmers. France is still a largely rural country. They head for the German border on foot, with their officers following on horseback. Armies still rely heavily on horses, and these are requisitioned throughout the country. Motorization has not kept up. Gaston Sirek, a driver of one of these outdated trucks with solid rubber tires, recalls, There was such a shortage of equipment. We had one rifle for two per truck. We had one box of ten bullets, which we weren't allowed to open. It was pathetic. If we'd had what we needed, we'd have fought, because we're no great friend of the Bosch. term for the German soldiers during the previous war. They were also called Verdigris, which in French means field grey, the colour of their uniform, which enabled them to blend in with their surroundings. But just who are these soldiers? Let's take, for example, one of these young Germans, marching as he sings, Our flag is waving before us. Our flag is a new age. Our flag is stronger than death. His name is August von Kagenek. He writes, I thought that a military career was the right choice. My parents thought so as well. My father would tell me, at least there you can still open your mouth and say what you like. And you don't have to do that Nazi salute. In September 1939, August von Kagenek is still training to become a tank commander. He writes, My father, who was a general, was telling me, The French have 40 divisions on the border. We have 15. All the rest are in Poland. 500,000 men against 200,000. They outnumber us two to one. French forces attack on September the 7th, 1939, four days after declaring war. 
this offensive launched to show public opinion that Poland has not been abandoned, advances eight kilometers into the Saar region. The French Army's cinema department shows off the spoils of war. Bicycles. The Saar offensive stops there and degenerates into a series of skirmishes, raids by elite commandos, led by the hero Joseph Darnon, who receives the citation of Premier Soldier of France. Later, he will become one of the most rabid collaborators with the Germans, and eventually, he'll be executed after the war. The French army, in spite of its heroes and its superiority in numbers, takes no further action. General Maurice Gamelin, 67 years old, is commander-in-chief of the Allied Franco-British Land Forces. For the French outnumber the British, who also think that this war isn't for real and that it'll all be settled soon. Gamelin himself has no desire to refight the War of 1914. He wants to avoid another bloodbath at any cost. He considers that he needs two years safe behind the Maginot Line in order to rule the country. The Maginot Line is the work of a former Minister of War, André Maginot. This complex of fortifications was meant to stop the German enemy once and for all. It took nearly 10 years to construct and swallowed up one and a half million cubic meters of concrete and 150,000 tons of steel. All these gun turrets are linked together by a labyrinth of tunnels, 100 kilometers off them. The line itself stretched for 720 kilometers from the Swiss to the Belgian borders. No line ends at the foot of the Ardennes forest. The French military command thought that German tanks could never cross this extremely rough terrain. The French didn't extend the line all the way to the sea, because Belgium, before declaring its neutrality, was an ally of France, and opposed it. This northern part of the front is manned by a French army and the British expeditionary forces, later reinforced by Canadians and troops from the far-flung British Empire. Britain, a popular song of the team, was the washing on the Siegfried line. We're gonna hang out the washing on the Siegfried line. And do any dirty washing, mother dear. We're gonna hang out the washing on the Siegfried line. But the washing string of fortifications constructed by Hitler facing the Maginot Line. The Germans don't attack. They're still trying to avoid a second front. The French nevertheless take some precautions. They evacuate the population of Alsace and Lorraine to the regions of Perigord and Charente in the southwest. 
Strasbourg, a ghost town. Abandoned by its population, emptied of its soul, especially that of the synagogues. On the 25th of September, Hitler orders the bombing of Warsaw. The city is surrounded, but still holding out. to strike terror into the hearts and minds not only of the Poles, but of the French and British as well. This is what is in store for you. The world is horrified. In New York, the bombing of Warsaw is up in lights in Times Square and on the front page of all the newspapers. Franklin Roosevelt, the President of the United States, addresses the nation. This nation will remain a neutral nation, but I cannot ask that every American remain neutral in thought as well. Even a neutral has a right to take account of facts. Even a neutral cannot be asked to close his mind or to close his conscience. The bombing of Warsaw shows how vulnerable the cities are. Paris sets about protecting its monuments and hides its museum's masterpieces out in the provinces. The Champ de Mars, at the foot of the Eiffel Tower, is dug full of bomb shelters, and there are frequent air raid drills. Gas masks are compulsory. zero. The bread is frozen. I'm one of the lucky ones. They gave us some straw, and with that, we can sleep better.
Hitler is seeking to protect the iron route. Iron is indispensable to the German war effort, and 50% of its Swedish iron ore is shipped out of the Norwegian port of Narvik. The Franco-British Expeditionary Corps lands in the fjord of Narvik. After a month of fighting, the Allies take Narvik. The iron route is temporarily cut. This victory is good for French morale and adds credence to their motto, we will win because we are the strongest. But the Expeditionary Corps will have to abandon Narvik and for the rest of the war, trainload after trainload of Swedish iron ore will feed the German war machine. The French are brought back home, for the Germans have just launched their offensive in the West. The 9th of May, 1940, Hitler left Berlin on his private train, codenamed America, heading west towards new headquarters near the French border. Hitler announces, gentlemen, the offensive has just begun. generals had submitted him their battle plan during the winter. It looked similar to that of 1914, attack through Belgium. But Hitler preferred General von Manstein's idea, cutting straight through the Ardennes forest, then swinging up and driving towards the sea, encircling the Allies with a sickle-cut movement. But this sickle-cut movement is in fact a huge gamble because the Allies could turn back and counterattack. However, Hitler is confident. He notes, the main thing is to have good weather. <laughs> Lieutenant August von Kagenek claims, we are the Wehrmacht, the armed forces of greater Germany. Victory is certain. German soldiers, their homeland is in danger. After all, it was the French who declared war on Germany. The 10th of May, 1940. At dawn, German parachutists make a jump over Holland. Their mission is to capture the airfields and bridges around Rotterdam. At the same time, Hitler unleashes his war machine on Belgium. Field Marshal Goering, who commands the Air Force, not to bomb the French columns, to let them proceed deep into Belgian territory. And he attacks them from the rear. His real offensive 
will be through the Ardennes. According to the French High Command, no tank could ever get through those densely forested hills. But nothing stops them, except their own traffic jams. Meanwhile, in the Netherlands and Belgium, people who own cars are among the first to flee. Everyone is suspected. A so-called fifth column is feared. Spies working for the Nazis. The Germans continue their diversionary tactics, invading Belgium with specially trained airborne forces. The sappers belt out their song from the campaign in Poland. The girls will have to wait, comrades. It's time to go, comrades. On the 11th of May, at daybreak, they are dropped into Belgium. Their goal is to capture the linchpin of the Belgian defense system, Fort Ebenemail, on the Albert Canal, which is reputed to be impregnable. An intrepid German soldier heaves himself onto the top of a turret with a load of explosives. The conquerors stride through the ruins of Fort Ebenemail, the key to Belgium. Images such as these will forge the Wehrmacht's reputation of invincibility. After the fort falls, people scramble to catch the last trains to Paris. French capital, the Red Cross is swamped. Belgian refugees are transferred to cattle cars heading south. As the Germans enter Liège, panic grows and spreads. Faced with such a show of force, there are only two options, obey or flee. Many of the refugees are people from the countryside. As in many times in history, farmers have always been the last to flee, loath to abandon their crops and their animals. The great Belgian poet Emile Verheeren wrote, The people around here have nothing at all, nothing before them, but the endlessness of the open road. The people who work the fields, the people around here, have only endless misfortune.
Germans unleash their aerial offensive, destroying strategic crossroads, airfields, refineries, and fuel supplies. Cities in northern and eastern France are bombed. The French are now facing the reality of modern warfare. In the Netherlands, the port of Rotterdam is ablaze, the result of a German terror bombing raid like the one in Warsaw. But these bombs were dropped after the city had surrendered. Another of Hitler's war crimes. In London, the new Prime Minister is Winston Churchill. His first speech reveals his determination to keep fighting, whatever the circumstances. I will say, without a doubt, that the fate of Holland and Belgium, like that of Poland, Czechoslovakia and Austria will be decided by the victory of the British Empire and the French Republic. But things have suddenly turned very grim in France. In just three days, the Germans have swept through the Ardennes and are advancing towards the French defensive line on the Meuse River. They are closing the net with their pincer movement, seeking to entrap the Allied troops massed in Belgium. The German infantrymen knock over the French as if they came from a different world. With their hand grenades, machine guns, and with their sleeves rolled up, they take the town in one day. Sedan, the key to the Ardennes, which was already terribly marked by the French defeat in 1870. But the real obstacle for the Germans is the Meuse River. On the night of the 13th of May, they bring in beams to build bridges. The French fight back. But the Germans neutralize the French artillery, and the next morning their sappers finish the bridge. Galvanized General Guderian, a 52-year-old Prussian, a great armored warfare strategist, using tanks to strike with force, daring, and speed. The Blitzkrieg, or Lightning War, should not give the enemy time to react. First, the tanks, followed by infantry, and backed by aircraft, especially the Stukas. the Stukas, dive bombers equipped with sirens. Resisting the intense pressure of the descent, their highly trained pilots release their bombs at the last minute with lethal precision. The French Prime Minister, Paul Renault, telephones Churchill in alarm. We have been defeated. We have lost the battle. The French generals are at a loss. They are able to react to the situation. With the Allied forces tied up in Belgium, how can they stop the Germans from advancing? 
In Paris, the French authorities are trying to deal with the increasing number of refugees. People from Belgium and northern France are pouring into the city. Schools, hospitals and barracks are soon overflowing. Information is sparse. Rumors abound. Has Gamelin committed suicide? No. The French High Command has just realized that the Germans are heading for the coast and that the Allies have fallen into a trap. A counterattack is ordered, allowing a certain Colonel de Gaulle to distinguish himself at the head of a tank brigade. The French army possesses more tanks and they are of better quality than the German panzers. any reinforcements or aerial support, the French tanks become prey to the Stukas. put up a good fight, but they wonder why the Air Force isn't protecting them. Poorly prepared and with fewer planes, the French pilots are heavily outnumbered by the Luftwaffe, but they fight courageously. Dozens of German pilots are shot down and taken prisoner. Some of these pilots will be returned to Germany when the armistice is signed and will then join the battle against Britain. The German tanks move swiftly through the towns and villages of northern France. Valiantly, the French try to slow the German advance. Germans crush any pockets of resistance. The Germans have reached the English Channel. Hitler's strategy of the sickle cut has worked. The British Expeditionary Force, the Belgian Army, and the French Armed Forces are encircled. The Belgian king surrenders, along with his army. The British expeditionary force withdraws towards the coast, leading to the final collapse of the Allied armies. In Paris, the French Prime Minister, Paul Renault, dismisses Gamelin and finds a new saviour, General Wigon, 72 years old, one of the artisans of the Allied victory in 1918. To bolster morale, Renault names another world hero as vice premier, 84-year-old Marshal Pétain, who will soon turn his back on Renault's policies. Wigan has no choice. He too is forced to order a full retreat towards Dunkirk. Hitler lets them go. A gesture of clemency towards Great Britain? Is he still hoping for a separate peace? Or has Goering assured him that his air force is capable of preventing an evacuation? 
400,000 men cram the beach, helpless and in disarray. They have one last chance to escape, over the sea. Churchill orders any vessel that can float to go and get them. On the outskirts of Dunkirk, the French hold back the Germans, suffering heavy losses. Goering sends out the Luftwaffe's Stukas and bombers. thousand British and 120,000 French troops are successfully evacuated. The British army is saved, but it's in tatters. French will be sent back to France in a final attempt to defend their country. The British are sent off to re-equipment centers. All of Great Britain hails Dunkirk as an extraordinary feat. Churchill, however, puts it into perspective. With lucidity, he says, Wars are not won by evacuation. Even so, in those first days of June 1940, the Dunkirk spirit is born. The ruthlessness of this war and the destructive power of the Nazi enemy are now apparent to the British. Lightheartedness and humor give way to frantic efforts to mobilize the nation. On the 4th of June, Churchill, who is also battling the defeatists on his own side, speaks out. His tone is unforgettable. We shall fight on the beaches, on the landing grounds. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. Ah, if you missed the first part of the show here tonight, we called the wow, wow, what a great podcast that was in the beginning there. Awesome podcast. Uh, you just got to go back and listen to it in the archive. Take a time out and do it and learn something, you know. Learn how to stand up and come together and, and, and fight for each other and, uh, you know, and uh, do the right thing. You know, the only way we're going to change the situation we're in today as a people, if you want to see what just happened, what I just played here for the past 45 minutes, if you want a repeat of that, you want history to repeat itself, and you want that type of world, then just keep doing what you're doing. Be pathetic, weak, dumbed down, selfish. It's all about me, me, me. And don't stand up and stand up for what's right. Then you know what? You're going to get it. Because history will repeat itself. You must identify the problem and what is happening here to us as a people today. Who is the enemy of freedom? We started off the show with just very that. Your bankers. Okay? And I know some people will become offended. The Jews, don't you can't say nothing bad about the Jews. No. Listen, I know I understand fully that every single one and every single... Listen, stop thinking in absolutes and start thinking about what probability it is that I am saying is true. Look, 
if you're offended by some of the things I say, I'm sorry for you, not for me. I'm sorry for you, not for me, that you didn't, cannot see the truth. And if what I say offends you, then oh well. Truth is relative here on this podcast platform. And either we're going to come together and realize what the problem is and stand together and do what is right to fix things so we don't have to end up in a situation like the documentary I just played here. We must must understand that. And understanding the times in which we live today is really the foundation of what this platform is all about. And I give everyone a chance to talk and say what they have to say. But, for all in all, generally it was a pretty good podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it um, and uh, learned something here. And um, until the next show, uh, where I'll be on, let's see, Friday night, Friday night, 9 p.m., I'll be on the NSM Media uh, Network there, over there podcasting at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The phone number over there will be 516 516- Four five three six zero five eight. I'll be over there podcasting. And tonight, actually, they'll be doing a podcast at nine p.m. Uh, you'll have Ron there on uh, Thursday. He does Thursday nights. I think he's on tonight, uh, nine p.m. So check him out. Listen to his podcast. And we've got uh, uh, a lot of great podcasts over there now. A lot of different ways about how to fix things. And, and listen, man, that you have got to respect. People are trying to, you know, change things, to change things the way they are right now. We can all must or must agree that things just are not the way they should be today. They've got to be different. So with that being said, um, I want to thank those that did tune in here tonight and uh, contributed to the podcast show. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless our republic. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War, and someday, when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. Let me make this an absolute fact. The goal is world peace. That must be our prime responsibility. We are the leader of the free world whether we want to be or not. And therefore, we are the only ones that can preserve the peace. And to do that, we must have strength. Meeting this mission is responsibility for preserving the peace. I will show you where I have made my home.
whilst preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. In the year of our Lord, 1314, patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen and won their freedom. God save the Republic. Our fathers appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. Our fathers said they would treat all men equal. When they did not, heaven saw. Heaven saw. Our fathers fought each other and paid a great price. Father Abe kept the Union, but not the Republic. We forgot the Republic and placed our trust in man and suffer oppression. We appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. God save the Republic. We're having some fun today.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.